Hallelujah. Let's get in the Word. Open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 5. Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Are you ready? Say it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you for your word that always produces your character, your life, and your nature in us. We thank you, Father, that we are a blessed people because we are in covenant with you. So we thank you for your word this morning. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. You will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you desire to impart into our lives through the word this morning. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I want to read, and this morning I feel uh, a bit of a prophetic mantle this morning for a release into our lives. I really believe that we're moving into a season where God wants to do something great. But anytime God wants to do something great into our life, it always means that I have to step into change. I have to embrace change and step, and, and step into change. And so this morning I'm going to talk to you about the power of one. What happens and what can God do through just one person? What can God do through just one person? How much of a difference does just your one life make or your one choice make in living for God? Romans chapter 5, we're actually going to read the whole chapter. So uh, if your phone is your Bible, you brought your Bible, then follow along with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've just kind of been on a mission. I'm going to pause right here just for a second. I was going to go all the way through the book of Colossians through getting away vacation. I've just been reading over and over the book of Colossians. And when you read Paul's letters to the churches, he's constantly trying to encourage them and help them understand who they are in Christ. And what they have and what they have received and what belongs to them, as he's writing here to the Christians at Rome, through Christ. And so whenever I understand who I am and all that has been imparted to us, in fact, one, uh, in one of my Bibles there's a common commentary made there, and there's something different between the subjective and the objective. And, and so the, the object that God does in our life, the objective is, is that we are the redeemed of the Lord. The subjective, that is, we may not always feel redeemed. But the reality of what is the objective there, that God, whatever God has declared about us, that is what is true. How you feel about it, what the circumstances are around that, doesn't change what God has declared. Are you with me? So important that we understand that. It changes everything in our life. Verse 2. So watch this. Speaking of Christ, through whom also we have access by faith, look at this, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we also glory in tribulations. I could get a big amen there, huh? Why? Because knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous 
man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't look and say, hey, there's a few people out there worthy of me giving my life. He looked at the whole world and said, there's none worthy, no, not one, but I choose to give my life for them anyway. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now look at verse 9. This is the first of five, much more, in the next few verses, five times, Paul declares much more. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. How many could say amen? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So how many can see everything is in Christ? Nothing yet has anything to do with us. It's all been declared in him in verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, now here we go. Therefore, just as one man sin, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. So how did sin come into the world? Through one man. Talking about the power of one this morning. I'm reading all this just to emphasize the point of one. Through the, through the actions and the connections of one person. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Thought I muted it, I didn't. I blew that right in your ear, huh? Through the actions of one person. People say all the time, oh, it, it's just me. It doesn't affect anybody else, it's me. What I'm doing doesn't affect anybody else, it's just me. Everything you do is connected to somebody. Every choice, every action, everything you do. There's no such thing as an isolated person living only their life with their choices having no consequences upon anybody else. Absolutely none absolutely none. Every choice you make is somehow connected or will be connected or will have ramifications or implications connected to somebody else. That's the law. That's the way it works. And not only that. So therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Let me put you like this. People say, well, it doesn't matter. It's just me. It's my choices. Who cares what I do with my life? The Bible says that the sins of the father are handed down to the children, even to the second and the third generation. How many know that's not good? On the other side, our righteousness, living righteously, becomes a heritage to our children. I want to pass on righteousness, not unrighteousness. I want to pass on righteousness, not sin. Could you say Amen. And so our choices have implications with them. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, so they didn't commit the same problem or anything, but yet this... Death was handed over, who is a type of him who was to come. So Adam, as a type of Christ who was to come, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. Now watch this. For if by one man's offense many died, much more. Somebody say much more. 
the grace of God and the gift of God by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which comes from many offenses resulted in justification. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, Through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. How many know this is a powerful declaration? And so everything, everybody look up here just for a moment. This means that God has done everything for you through Christ. You bring nothing to the table. That's part of what we said a few weeks ago in talking about this, that when it comes to trying to live under the law, under the law, there there was a list that you could try to get right. Under grace, there's no list. Under grace, there's no list. You don't get, you're, you're, you're wrong. There's no way to get right. The list proved that nobody could get it right. And the only way to be saved would be by grace, by no merit, no effort of your own. And so I have to quit trying to be right and accept that I've been declared right in Christ. And the moment I accept Christ, I am fully justified. I am fully reconciled. I don't have to get better. I don't have to carry condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I never have a bad thought. It doesn't mean that I still struggle with old nature and old flesh and old habit. It doesn't mean that I'm not in a battle. It means that I'm not justified by my own works. Are you doing all right? And so through this one man's gift, through one, righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. Verse 18, so we hear it again. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience... Look at that. Many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded what? Much more. The fifth, much more. Look at the cover of your outline, if you will, with me. Everything about our faith is connected to the power of one. For it is through the love of one God for his one creation that he sent his one son to die one time, the to die one time as the one and the only sacrifice for our sin and declaring it is finished. It is too easy to discount the power of one in our lives and in our world today, but it is just that, the power of one that has redeemed all of humanity. Let me just put it to you like this. This is the reality of the salvation that God sent through His Son. The whole world right now is saved. There's not a person on this earth that isn't covered by the redemptive work of the cross. There are people who have not accepted that. But it doesn't mean that they haven't been made recipients of it. 
It belongs. Salvation belongs. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. Jesus died for all of sin. The same, watch this. The same way as sin was passed on to every man, righteousness has been passed on to every man through Christ. The difference is it was imputed to you by nature. Are you with me? In Adam, it's handed down because we are all of the lineage of Adam. We all came from Adam in our flesh. And so that's why it's important. When I am born again, I get a new spirit. My spiritual tie is broken with the fallen man, and I have a new spirit, and I'm raised up in the new man, Christ Jesus. Woo! Amen. So watch it. Hear me this morning. God always has and always will look for just one who will say yes to living to fulfill his purpose in your life. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for just one person. He's looking for one of you in this church, in this congregation, anywhere. God is always looking for just one person to say, God, I want to live for your purpose in my life. In every generation, God is always just looking for one person. When we read the Old Testament and you read through your Bible, in history, you read the accounts of men and women of faith. And then a new generation rises up. And the question that the next generation will always answer is, who will be the next one? Who will be the next one that will say, Lord, I receive your grace and I receive your forgiveness and I receive your reconciliation in my life. Now I want to find out what you want to do through this one life right here. I want to live to find out what you will do through this one. You see, the church is one body with one Savior called to one hope, filled with one spirit to fulfill one purpose, to preach the gospel to just one more. Amen. As we, in fact, I don't want to get there just yet. This week we'll celebrate, we celebrate the independence of our nation. Fourth of July is coming up. We'll celebrate our independence. You know what this book is? It's the Declaration of Independence. We were under bondage, under a yoke, and a burden of slavery, and Christ has come to set us free. And this book is our Declaration of Independence. It tells us who we are and what our freedom is and everything that is ours through the independence that Christ purchased for us from the yoke and the bondage of sin. See, the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution declares that we are what? One nation under God. We're not many nations. Now, now, now watch. What, look at how the enemy is working. Whether it's in a nation, whether it's in churches, we're being fragmented right now by all of the social issues, all the racial issues, all the gender issues. Every issue you can think of is trying to make us anything but one nation. We're, we're being made into a nation of, of, of multiple identities. And we're being raised by people, whatever their ethnicity is, whatever their background is, whatever your, you know, uh, Ancestry.com told you you're connected to. I guess that's what kind of American you are. And so we say, I am a blank American. So if it, for my ancestry, I'm Irish and English. Amen. That's why I'm kind of cranky and have a great sense of humor. Amen, at the same time. But anyway, but, but, but I'm not an Irish-English-American. I'm an American. The moment I came into this nation, the moment anybody comes into this nation, they come into one nation. The moment anybody comes into Christ, they come into one body. We are not denominations. We are not divided. Anytime you divide by denomination, by ethnicity, by any label of any kind, the enemy is winning the battle. 
If we ever come back and say, wait a minute, God does everything as one. And God only sees two men in the earth. We read it in Romans. People are either in Adam or they are in Christ. There's only one God only sees two men in the earth, and I'm either in this one or I am in this one, and I choose to be in Christ. Are you with me this morning? So look inside your outline as we go through this quickly. What is the power of one? The Bible gives us a written record through history of the power of one and what can happen when God can find just one who will say yes. Many times we're waiting for a majority to agree with us. God doesn't ask for a majority. He only asks for one. Because anytime God gets one who opens a door to him, you and God are always a majority. If you know that God is leading you and you are saying yes to God, you have all the support you need. You don't need men to gather around you. Cooperation will come. Assistance will come, but God is just looking for one. Think about it. Enoch was one man who walked with God. Genesis chapter 5, Enoch's walking along. He lived and, and, and uh, had, had for 65 years, had Methuselah. And then after that, he'd walked with God for 350 years. It said he walked with God, and then he was no more. And in his generation, you go back and read it, nobody was walking with God. He chose to be one man. Who would separate? And, and, and I preached a message on, on this. And, and, at, at the time Enoch was living, Adam was still alive. And he was, he, he was his, his grandson to the fifth power. To the great, 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 great grandson of Adam. And I always think about it like this. This is what I think happened with Enoch. I, I think at the family reunions... They would all get together, and Enoch would sit with great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, Adam. And he would say, Grandpa, what was it like to be formed and not born? Grandpa, you're, you're God's original man. You're the only man in the earth without a belly button. What was it like to be formed by God? What was it like to walk with God in the cool of the day? What was it like to hear God's voice? And I believe Adam would say, great, 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 great grandson Enoch. Nobody ever asked me about that. But since you asked, let me tell you. And Adam told him. And Enoch said, great, 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 great grandpa. I want to walk with God too. And he began to walk with God. And because he walked with God, just one man in his generation, the Bible says that he walked with God. And one day he was walking with God. And I like what one old preacher said. God and Enoch were out on a walk one day. And God just said to Enoch, hey, son, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you just come home with me? And the Lord took him. Amen? I don't know about you. I want to be one man in my generation that walks with God. 
That's who I want to be. Think about it. Noah was one man who heard God and obeyed by building an ark and redeeming a remnant seed for a new beginning. Abram was one man who chose to follow God's lead in his life and became the father of a nation and of our faith. Elijah was one man who would stand up for God and his generation against the ungodly leadership of our day. Everybody look up here just for a moment. As a Christian, you better decide that you're going to be one. Because you're living in a day and an hour right now where everything that we are gathered here and proclaiming that we believe today is under full-fledged assault. The world does not want the spirit of Antichrist and, and the enemy against the gospel that the adversary of truth is in full assault, especially living in California. Amen. And so, but, but all God needs is one person to rise up. Just one person to take a stand. So God will raise up prophets. He'll raise up men and women of faith and courage. Praise the Lord. See, uh, uh, this week, and I I saw the the report on everything else. If you follow me, I put it on my Facebook page, all that stuff. But but just our our illustrious government here in California passed a, a resolution. Not a law, but a resolution that says that pastors have to preach in acceptance of the LBGTQ community. In acceptance. And I say, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to give up what I believe. But, but wait, so, so when it comes to that, you have to choose. To, that's one issue. One issue. The, the gender issue is one issue. But what's happened is, is the church ha- hasn't had the courage to be a voice of one. And if the church ever chooses to come together and speak, get this, to speak with one voice. And to let our voice be united and be heard as one voice, then we can turn the tide of all of this. Are you with me? So Elijah was one man who stood up in his generation. David was one man that God could use to kill one giant that secured a victory over the enemy for a nation. How did David get there? Listen, in in the time of battle, when Israel went out to battle, this is how the covenant was set up. They said, if you go out to battle and an enemy comes against you who's greater, this is how you're going to do battle. You're going to get everybody together, and the priest is going to come out, and he's going to say, hey, is there anybody here who just got married? Okay, go home. Is there anybody here who just built a house or planted a vineyard? Okay, go home. Is there anybody here who is afraid? Okay, go home. What was left was the army of the Lord. And when God got rid of all that, whoever was left, that is who God would display his glory through and give the victory to his people. You need to understand, you and I were created for God's glory. God wasn't created for your pleasure. He wasn't created to enhance your life and just make your life better. Our life gets better when we quit being stupid. People say, I need to get saved. You need to get saved. We get saved from ourselves in our bad decision. The moment you get saved, you make better choices. And life turns around because you're sowing seeds that don't produce a negative harvest. But David got up there and he understood when he went out to battle, if they said, hey, did anybody just get married? People would have said, not yet, but I'm thinking about it. I'm out of here. <laughs> did you build a house? No, but I plan on it. I'm out of here. Is anybody afraid? That would have been the rest of the whole army. David knew he was the army of the Lord. 
So he went out against Goliath, and he said, you come against me with the sword and the spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And with just a sling and a few rocks in his pocket, five stones, he killed the adversary. And he said to the giant, he said, I'm going to cut off your head. And the giant Goliath said, you don't even have a sword. He said, you're holding the sword that I'm going to use to cut off your head. And when you get this down on the inside of you, if God can find one man, one person to believe that God is on their side, we can change our world. Are you doing all right? David was just one man. Daniel was one man who would not compromise, and God used him to declare his righteousness to king. Esther was one woman who recognized her destiny and placed her life on the line for the sake of her people. Ruth was one daughter-in-law who would not leave her mother-in-law and became the threat of salvation to the Gentile world. To you and I, because of Ruth, God opened the door to salvation. Think about that. Joseph chose to be the one in his family that God could use. Moses said yes to being the one man that would lead God's people out. Gideon said yes to becoming one man with courage. Nehemiah was one man whose heart God could touch and rebuild the walls of his city. Come on, God's just looking for one. He's just looking for you and I to be one. The Bible tells us that there was one woman in a crowd that had the faith to reach for what others could not see. The woman with the issue of blood, everybody else is touching Jesus. One woman got an answer. Think about that. The demonic man in the tomb was one man delivered from demonic possession, and he became a voice for God in his entire country. One man named Philip walked into a city called Samaria and preached Christ to them and brought joy to that city. John was just one old man that had lived his life for the cause of the gospel and at the end was exiled to a rock island called Patmos in the middle of the sea and choosing to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day he hears a voice behind him and he receives the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I want to be one man for God. I want to be one man for God. See, our salvation is all about one God sending one son, excuse me, one son to die on one cross as the one Savior for the world. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, I just want to impart this right here. I don't know about you. I want to choose to be the one to be there for those in need. If you're part of our church family here and, and part of our body, you, you know that over this last year, it's been a, a, a crazy year. Sue and I said yes to God in, in going into full-time ministry 38 years ago this year. And in 38 years of full-time ministry, this has been one of the most probably trying years of, 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 of our whole 38 years of ministry. In areas of, there's never been a time or a season like we're in. Where we have experienced so much loss of life and loved ones suddenly. I mean, nobody expected anything that's happening and things that are going on. There's been so many suddenlies happening and uh, none of us have expected any of them. Could you say amen? And so in that, but at the same time, there's other transitions that are going on. Just like, I mean, I'm rejoicing with Sean and Dana and, and, and the door that God's opened up in Loomis and we're able to expand and to reach out. That's an exciting time, but that was a suddenly we weren't expecting. And so transition comes and things come, all kinds of different things. And so we're going through loss. We're going through seasons of transition and change. We have people retiring, transitioning, doing things, all kinds of things happening in our church and in our world. But the question is, who will be the one to stand up in the gap?
Because every time there's a transition or something go, then that means there's an open door. And God's just looking, who's going to be the next one? Let me just give you about Tony. If, if you watch Tony DiArcos in our church, Tony was a pillar in our church. So t- Tony served and filled no matter where there was a need, Tony stepped in and did it. He was at every event. He was the last person at every event. He was putting up the tables. He was sweeping the floor. If we needed somebody in children's ministry, he loved kids. At 69 years of age, loved kids, was still serving and ministering for the 24 years that he is a member of this church. He served at every event. I just wonder who's going to be the next one. Who's going to be the next one? Are we just going to remember somebody or are we going to be inspired to be somebody? In the meantime, we go back, we remember people, but does what anybody do, d- did ever inspire you to be? In 1982, my grandfather passed away. We went to visit. He was retired. They were in Goody, Idaho, and we went to visit over Thanksgiving weekend in 1982. And I was in, we were in our first year of ministry. And I decided, because I was messed up as a kid. Some of you don't know, I was a heroin addict by 19, and I was messed up. And uh, just made a bunch of stupid choices and uh, went off, did all kinds of different stupid things. At the age of 25, I gave my life to the Lord. And then at the age of 28, we entered into full-time ministry. It was an exciting time in the Lord. Amen. And so I've been in full-time ministry for a year. And my grandfather went into ministry, went into the ministry in 1924. And he was a pastor for over 50 years. And so this is my first chance to sit down with my grandfather as not being a numbskull. <laughs> and that weekend, and Grandpa imparted into my life. For We had three days together, speaking into my life, spending time with my grandfather, and him getting to see me answering God's call. But then that Sunday morning, we left Saturday to drive back to Bernie. We went to Goody, Idaho. We were in Bernie, drove back to Bernie. When we got to Bernie Sunday morning, we got the call from Grandma that Grandpa passed away. And he had had heart problems and stuff, but he just, he just went to sleep in his recliner that Sunday morning. How about you? I have recliner faith myself. <laughs> Amen? And so in that area, and, and, and so with Grandpa, and then... We got, went to go do the memorial, and my brother was supposed to go with me and stuff, and there was a snowstorm, and I left Bernie, and I drove to Gooding right with the snowstorm, right on my back bumper almost, getting all the way there. And, I made, and my brother got cut off from being there, and, and, and I don't even know any, I don't read anything into all that, but I'm getting there and driving all the way over there. I'm just praying in the Spirit, driving all the way to Idaho and just praying about that. And the Lord gave me a message, and I preached my grandfather's funeral, on picking up mantles with Elijah and Elisha. Because anytime a man of God passes, whether it's a grandfather, whether it's a Tony DiArco, no matter who it is, anytime somebody passes, anytime there's transition, the question is always going to be, who's going to be the next one? Who's going to be the next one? Who's going to rise up? Who's going to pick up the mantle? And who's going to step in and, and accept that call and that challenge? Amen? So I want to be there. I want to be the one who will stand in the gap to pray, to pick up the mantles, to comfort and encourage, and to lead in the coming season. Could you say amen? Let me close with this. Look at the last page of your outline. See, in the beginning, there was another one, as we read, account of one man, Adam, who made one choice because he listened to one voice, the wrong voice, that changed the course of all of humanity until God could send his one son, not just to change, but to redeem it unchangeably. Because one lived, died, and rose from the grave, we can live. 
So the question is, what could happen if we could live redeemed by the power of one to become one to another? God needs you to be one to one more. God raises us up to be one to one more. The purpose of the church is to equip us to be one who he can send to one more. Well, I appreciate that response. Amen. Amen. What we want today is we want somebody to tell well, tell me how God's going to bless me. Tell me how God's going to do everything for me. Tell me how God's going to make my life easier. God doesn't, make, God doesn't promise to make your life easier. He promises to use you for his glory. The promise of God is, I, is, is I, will, I will be glorified through your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. So think about it. I like what Joy Steelman, one does make a difference. Joy Steelman, our great friend, got saved through the Lord's gym. Why do we have a Lord's gym? Why do we invest in the Lord's gym? Because if we reach just one young person, through all the years that we've had the Lord's gym, this year is 13 years we've had that gym open. Through all the years and through the hundreds of teenagers that have been through there, in 13 years we've never had less than 500 teenagers have memberships at the Lord's Gym. Do you know there's nothing else in El Dorado County that even touches that? Nothing. That reaches out and creates a place for young people to go, for teenagers to go, and have a safe place in a positive environment where maybe just one could get saved. Because God can reach one. What can he do? Look at what we just read. What could God do through one life? If he can make a difference in just one, it would all be worth it. Whatever the pain, failure, and brokenness in your life, there is one who has healed it all by carrying it all to his cross. Please listen to me today. No matter where you are, no matter what has happened in your life, won't you just let Jesus heal it all? Just give it all to him. Well, you don't know where I'm from. You don't know what I've been through. Everybody has brokenness in their life. Everybody has pain. Everybody's walked through failure. Just go ahead and give that to the Lord and choose. Say, God, I want to be one who lives beyond the pain. I want to be one who lives beyond the failure. I want to be one who lives beyond the discouragement. I want to be one who lives for your glory. And let God do something great in your life. So the question is, will you be one who says yes to the one who came from one God as one son to one cross, as one Savior for one soul for yours? If you could hear that, Jesus would have come just for you. Jesus would have come just for one. And I think about this, why are we so motivated? And, and even this morning as I was preparing, getting dressed to come and just this thought went through my head. What should drive us so much? Yes, we mourn when we lose a loved one. But the Bible tells us that we are not without hope. Because we know that if the person who has left knows Christ, that we have the promise of being united with him. We will be together. Those who have gone before us will, will go before us, and forever we will be together with them, with the Lord. Amen? We carry that hope of heaven on the inside of us. Colossians 1 said that hope that's laid up for us in heaven. We carry that hope. But hear me. When somebody perishes and doesn't know Christ, there is no hope of reunion. That is eternal separation. God's heart. You, just think. God created man and he loves man. Listen, God loves the world, all of humanity so much that he does not want to be separated from anyone. 
Nobody. But he knows that he can't allow sin into his prayer. And the only way he can reconcile them is through his son. And the only way he can get the message of reconciliation to people is through you and me. Through somebody who will say, God, I'll be one that you can use to tell one that they don't have to be separated from you for all of eternity. We think we carry sorrow because we're separated for a season. And some people mourn and they grieve for way too long and, and it's all good. And, and God walks you through the process of all that and, and the companionship and the law. But we carry the joy of knowing. Think about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus knows what it's like to be separated from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it says in Hebrews 12, who for the joy that was set before him. Knowing that he would have that time of being reconnected with the Father. He endured the cross. Knowing what was coming, he was able to endure. And you and I, if we ever just get our eyes back on the promise and what is coming, we can endure. Are you with me? But God's heart knows. How is he weak? Why is God so long-suffering? Because he's not willing for anybody to perish, to be separated from him. He says, the only way I can reach them. Romans says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And if I could ever get delivered from me. We live in the nation, hear me church. You live in the nation of me. America is the great nation of me. That What's the American dream? Come and be the best me you can be. The gospel is give your life away for somebody else. Gospel is he that will be great, let him be the servant of all. Give your life for somebody else. That's why I said a few weeks ago, if you read Luke 16, Bill, if you come back to keyboard, please. Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus goes to heaven, the rich man goes to hell. The rich man just simply says, hey, could you send somebody back and tell my brothers, don't come here. And my friend, I'm just going to say it like this. I don't take anything for granted anymore. If you make heaven, D.L. Moody said it like this, I like it, the three surprises of heaven will be the people that made it that you didn't think would make it, the people that didn't make it that you thought would, and you made it. When you get to heaven... If you were one to just one, you will have one person in heaven who will say to you, thank you. Because of you, I'm not there. Because the Bible says, Jesus said that there's Lazarus being in hell looked up and saw, I mean, the rich man being in hell looked up and saw Lazarus in heaven. Hell could see heaven and heaven could see hell. 
if one person comes up to you in heaven and says, thank you. That's a thank you for all of eternity. It's not a thank you for a nice deed that you did here. That's an eternal thank you. And when you see what's at stake, then the call of God says, hey, is there anybody who would be a one? God says, I just look for one. Here's the cool thing that happens. When you choose to be one, Tim, come here. Somebody else will come alongside and say, hey, I'm one. Something happens where you begin to hook arms. And then through that, you just kind of wait, and then maybe somebody else will come say, I'm one. Maybe somebody else. amazing thing is that God begins to form his body just one at a time one at a time God said if I could just reach one then their life would connect with one more one more Father, you love our world. Love every person in. Lord, you connect us where we live. You connect us with people like Sharwan and Rinku, like Russell, like Elwood and Yada, our missionaries all over the world, Father. You connect us. You make us one together, Father. Today, we just want to say yes to you. Father, there's people right here in our county. They need to know you. They need us to live to be one. We'll say yes to you. One who won't be afraid to speak. One who won't be afraid to reach out. One who won't be afraid to pray. One who won't be afraid to give. One who won't be afraid to live for something greater than just what we can have or we can do. But one who will be hungry to see what you will do through us when we just say, Lord, here am I. I'm just one. But God, I'm one who says yes to you. Use me.